Genesis 49. Jar, I know, I, I'm not. Genesis chapter 49. How many chapters are there in the book of Genesis? We're coming close to an end. I hope y'all are praying. I, I still don't have 100% in surety of the direction that God's going to take me. I, I try to bounce from Old Testament to New Testament to Old Testament to New Testament and kind of balance things out. I'm still praying, so y'all pray with me about where God's leading us. We still have a few weeks. Uh, Those of you in the back didn't hear that, Amy says, I'll tell you which book. No. She's never done that. She's given suggestion. I think there was one time she, she, she said, I think you ought to preach through the book of Ruth. And I did preach through the book of Ruth, and that was, that was really good. Okay, that's enough. <laughs> Miss Lynn, that's enough. <laughs> Genesis 49. A few weeks ago in our study, we watched and listened as Jacob called for Joseph to come to him. He knew that his life was short and it would, would, be shortly, would shortly come to an end and wanted to make sure that Joseph uh, would do as he asked. Uh, Jacob's first request was that he be taken back to Canaan when he died. We learned that this was the first part of, of being a witness for God one last time. He did not want to be buried in a pagan land and identified with their gods. Jacob wanted to be buried in his God's promised land, and identified only with him, his one true God. We then watched as Jacob's health took another turn towards death, and, and he called Joseph once again, and, and this time Jacob personally blessed Joseph's sons and then Joseph himself. None of the other brothers were present on this first occasion, on this day. This would be an intimate time between Jacob and his most loved son. Tonight, we will watch and listen as all of the 12 sons are called to the bed of their father, Jacob, one last time to hear his words spoken to each one of them. Now, just trying to set the stage here, some, some of us have experienced what we're going to read tonight. Uh, some of y'all who are sitting here, you are going to experience what sometime in, your, in the near future or sometime in the future what we're going to be talking about tonight when Jacob calls all his family in to speak to him one last time now I, I say that this this is still kind of fresh in my memory and uh, it seems like yesterday that I was sitting next to, to my dad as he was dying I'll never forget uh, Duke had just won the national championship in basketball yeah 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 and I got a call from my mother that my dad had fallen and she needed me to come and help take him to the hospital. We had no idea, no idea, no clue whatsoever at all that that was going to be the last time that we spent with my dad. So I went and I, I took him to the, hot, to the doctor and uh, they, they performed a procedure on him and that procedure woke something up in his body that we didn't have a clue was taking place. I mean, he had blood clots all over the place and they couldn't stop the bleeding and... Uh, Dad said his last words when he was in the emergency room. He said, I'm, you're hurting me, you're hurting me, you're hurting me. And that was the last things we ever heard my dad say. And, and I, for the longest times after my dad died, I, I replayed those events in those days over and over and over and over in my mind. 
Uh, Brother Kyle, why, why, are you, why are you giving us this, you know, because I'm sure that these sons did the same things with the words that they're going to hear from their father tonight. And as we read the first 12 verses, I want you to understand that some of what Jacob is saying, it's not nice, but it's the truth. It is the truth. It is the Word of God. So tonight, let's look at Genesis chapter 49. We're going to start reading in verse 1. <clears throat> then Jacob called his sons and said, gather around and I will tell you what, does that say may happen? What will happen to you in days to come? Come together and listen, sons of Jacob. Listen to your father Israel. Reuben, you are my firstborn, my strength and my first fruits of my ver uh, uh, fertility. Excelling in prominence, excelling in power. Turbulent water, turbulent as water, you will no longer excel because you got into your father's bed and you defiled it. He got into my bed. Simeon and Levi are brothers. Their knives are vicious weapons. May I never enter, your, enter their council. May I never join their assembly. For in their anger they kill men, and on, on a whim they hamstring, they hamstring oxen. Their anger is cursed, for it is, it is strong, and their fury, uh, for it is cure, cruel. I will disperse them throughout, uh, throughout uh, Jacob and scatter them throughout Israel. Judah, your brothers will praise you. Your hand will be on the necks of your enemies, and your father's sons will bow down to you. Judah is, the, is a young lion. My son, you return from the kill. He crouches, he lies down like a lion, and like a lioness who wants to, to, to ruse him. A scepter will not depart from Judah, or a staff from between his feet, until he whose, <coughs> whose right is, it is comes, and the obedience of the people belongs to him. He ties his donkey to a vine, and a colt to his donkey, to the choice vine. He washes his clothes in wine, and his robes in the blood of, of grapes. His eyes are darker than wine, and his teeth are whiter than milk. Let's pray. Father, again, we come to you asking forgiveness of our sins. Thanking you, Lord, for allowing us to assemble in your house, Lord, this evening. God, to dive deeper, deeper than what we do on Sunday morning into your word, to try to understand who we are, who you are, who we're supposed to be, and how we're to interact with each other, Lord. We thank you for the love that you have for us and the love we have for you. And Lord, I pray that as we, we hear tonight the word from from this Old Testament book of Genesis, Lord, that you'd help us to see ourselves as you see us. God, that we might be greater servants for you. In Jesus' name I do pray, and all God's children said, Amen. Amen. Church, how did Jacob know all of what we just read? How in the world did he know everything that we just read? Now, if some of y'all may have read the, the entire chapter because it's a short chapter, and, and really, if you look at the whole chapter, which we will do, We'll ask that question again. How in the world did Jacob know all that he did? Well, much of what we just read is, is troubling to say the least. The last words that these men heard come out of their father's mouths before he leaves the world. And, and many of these words must have really hurt those who they were directed at. 
In the time that, that we live in, many would say this about Jacob. Jacob was just a cruel father who, who only found favor with his favorites. Now, I, I, you as parents, have y'all ever heard that? Well, you know, Emily's your favorite, or Kyle is your favorite, or Alex is your favorite. Bailey's smiling. Bailey, you're the favorite, aren't you? You know, we hear our children say that all the time. I remember sitting around my grandmother's table and talking, they were talking about my grandfather, and they were so, oh, Uncle Jerry was always daddy's favorite. I, I guess our children have that perception. I, I, I think we as parents, we try not to, to you know, give that, that feeling that one child is loved or, or, you know, given more than the others, but I can see where siblings would think that very thing. Amen? So, what we must ask before we condemn Jacob is where did his words come from? Much of what Jacob spoke would not happen in his son's lifetime or maybe even his grandson's lifetime. So how did he know all of this to be true? The words that he was speaking, how, how did he know that they were going to be true? Commentator Henry Morris says this about our opening verse in chapter 49. This discourse that follows in an ordinary conversation, it is a po in poetic form and thus abounds in imagery. It is, its very tone manifests that though Jacob is speaking, he is speaking in the spirit. Okay? So when y'all go back and you read this again, go back and read some of the things that Jacob is recorded as saying, but read this particular chapter again and you'll see that I mean this doesn't this doesn't really sound like Jacob now he is full uh, he is in full possession of his all of his faculties even though at the point of death noting these events uh, which which had been carried in his memory for many years and yet speaking in a manner very different from his normal mode of speech and poetry and symbol and prophecy the 12 brothers could hardly fail to be soberly impressed with the memory and the importance of their father's words. Church, Henry Morris, the commentator, suggests that Jacob is heard, but what is being spoken is from the Spirit of God. God is speaking through Jacob. Well, how do you get that? He's saying things that are true that happened in his lifetime to him, especially when we look at Reuben, and we'll see Reuben here in a second. But the things that are going to happen to them, how could he know? How could, they, how, how could he possibly know what's going to happen many years in the future, only through the Spirit of God? So, Warren Wiersbe says this about chapter 49 as a whole, looking at, at chapter 49 all together, not stopping where we stopping. We stop the night. Jacob's words were a revelation of human character and conduct as well as a divine purpose. Three of his sons learned that their, their past conduct had cost them their future inheritance. For we always reap what we We always reap what we sow, church. But something else was true. Jacob's prophetic words must have given great encouragement to his descendants during their, their difficult time and suffering in Egypt, as well as, their, as their, their, during their unhappy years of wandering in the wilderness. Jacob assured each tribe of, of a future place in the promised land. And 
That had to mean a great deal to them. There is also revelation of the Messiah in Jacob's last words who, who had been promised to Jacob's people. So, I mean, there are some, some again, we're going to get to Reuben here in a second. There, there's, there's some words that are spoken that are very harsh. And very, they had to have been very hard to take for, for the sons as they stood before uh, Jacob. But there are prophetic words that are unbelievably just beautiful. Can you imagine as the Hebrew children are, are laboring in Egypt and they think, what? we don't have any hope. We don't have any hope. And then one of the, the, the priests who was laboring right there beside him says, look, you know, I, I've read and we have a future promise. Well, where is this future promise? Well, it's seen when, when Jacob is speaking to his sons. And they are the 12 original tribes. So they, they can have promise when they're in the midst of great despair. Do y'all see that? Y'all with me? I'm, I'm not preaching above you, right? Y'all with me? Okay, good. All right. So we hear Jacob in verse 2. He says, Come together and listen, sons of Jacob. Listen to your father Israel. We are not dissecting frivolous words, church. These words have deep meaning for, the day, for, for that day and for many days to come. As he addressed them, Jacob followed the birth order of his sons. Now pay attention as we go through chapter 49. He follows the, the, the direct birth order of his sons, how they were birthed to him, beginning with Leah's six sons and closing with Rachel's two sons, Joseph and Benjamin. So with that in mind, and just, you know, we have a brief introduction to chapter 49. What does Jacob say or prophesy to his sons? We get to Reuben. Reuben would be the first in line. And where he may have been glad to be first, to be considered first, after he hears what Jacob is about to say, the second in line and third in line might not be so happy to hear their names called next. As Reuben heard the words spoken by his father, seen in verse 3, he must have been proud. Look, look at verse 3 again, chapter 49, verse 3. Listen to the opening words that he says to his firstborn son, Reuben. Reuben... You are my firstborn. I mean, look, there's great pride in being the firstborn son, isn't there? I mean, I was the firstborn. I was the only born son. And I, and I took great pride in that. My, I'll never forget my uncles used to tell me, son, listen, you've got to find a, a pretty wife. You need to make sure she has, she's able to have children. And I, at a young age, I was like, what, what are you talking about? He says, you are the one who's going to carry on the Waddell name. And I did, I guess. Alex and Kylie hadn't done anything yet, and I'm glad they hadn't. Thank you, thank you, Jesus, thank you, thank you. But you know, I, it's no longer in my hands, Jeff. Jeff, you, you know, you're, you, you've, you've passed along your name, you, Jackson. You, we're, listen, we, we've done our deed, right? And he's there, there's pride in that. He says, Reuben, you are my firstborn, my strength, and the first fruits of my fertility. Excelling in prominence. Now, Jacob must, I mean, uh, Reuben must have been there. Oh, yeah, daddy. Yeah. Woo, yeah. Listen to what daddy's saying about me. And looking at the other guy saying, yeah, he, that's, I'm the first one. I'm, listen, I'm number one. Right? And then Jacob dropped the hammer on Reuben. Look at verse 4. Turbulent as water, you will no longer excel. 
because you got into your father's bed and you defiled it. He got into my bed. I bet you his facial expression turned from happiness to sorrow real quick. I, I, I bet, listen, I, y- y'all know how this happens. Y'all know how this happens. This has happened to me. I'll go home and, and my mom is, you know, she is, she's progressing with her dementia. But I'll sit down and she'll say, do you remember when, when you did so and so? And I'm like, golly, why, why do you remember this? Yeah, I, I remember that. I, I imagine that's what's coming through or, or in the mind of Reuben. You know, why, why are you remembering this? Why are you focusing on this? Because it had great meaning. It, it had great consequences. We reap what we always, always. Warren Wiersbe says, an old sin Reuben committed finally caught up with him. And he lost his privileges as the firstborn son. Jacob gave that blessing to Joseph and his sons. We saw that a few weeks ago. As Jacob's firstborn son, Reuben should have been a strong man of dignity. Listen, those of you who are only sons of your family, those of you who are firstborn sons of your family, listen to what's being said about you here. He should have been a man of great dignity. Great dignity. Uh, I lost my place, I'm sorry. Should have been a strong man of dignity who brought honor to his father and his family. But he turned out to be a weak man who disgraced his family by defiling his father's bed. The tribe of Reuben would dwindle in years to come between the books of Exodus and when when they finally entered the promised land. They would be one of the two tribes that compromised with settling on the other side of Jordan because of the good grazing land that was there. The tribe was called for to help fight the Canaanites and did not go, and years later, but did send troops to help David when he had, he had to encounter, uh, had an encounter in Hebron. So they just dwindled. It sh- Listen, in all honesty, the tribe of Reuben should have been the greatest, the, the biggest, the best, but his sins called up to him. His sins called up to him and he lost his inheritance. Now, the next to be called up would be the two brothers who shared something not so good in common, Simeon and Levi. Now, listen, after they heard what their daddy said about their oldest brother Reuben, do you think they were really excited to be called up to the bed? I, I, I don't think so either. But they were called, Simeon and Levi. Jacob had a bit more to say to these brothers as seen in verses 5 through 7. Wearsby says Simeon and Levi were were guilty of anger and violence and their unrestrained massacre massacre of the Shechemites. They just went crazy. They went crazy. Now, it's not necessarily a bad thing for them to seek the revenge of, of, of the raping of their sister Dinah. But it was not necessary to wipe out innocent people just to gratify their own desire for revenge. Since it was dangerous for them to to be in the same assembly, God arranged that the two tribes would not be able to assemble to do anything together ever again. The tribe of Simeon was eventually absorbed into the tribe of Judah. 
and the tribe of Levi was given 48 towns to live in, scattered throughout the land. Indeed, the brothers were divided in Jacob and scattered in Israel. So y'all see tonight what Jacob is saying. It's not going to happen for some time, but it's prophetic. It is going to happen, and it is going to have a, 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 a very big impact in their lives, but in the, 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 uh, the lives of the 12 tribes. So he's speaking through the Spirit of God. Now, next up was Judah. Now, Judah really did have things hidden in his closet as well, just like the other brothers. He had some things hidden in his closet as well. He had been the one who suggested selling Joseph to the traders as they were heading to Egypt. But it may have been that, that very suggestion that saved Joseph's life. Jacob had nothing to say about Judah's sins. It may be due to, to his willing to lay his life down on the line when asking to take Benjamin back to Egypt uh, with them per request of the Egyptian leader who, determined his pre who, who uh, demanded his presence, which was Joseph. We, we see Jacob's word to Judah in verses 8 through 12. Wearsby says the name Judah and the Hebrew word praise are very similar. And Judah did, did live up to his name. He, he founded the royal tribe and gave Israel their kings, some of whom were godly leaders and that ultimately brought Jesus Christ himself into the world. Judah was a conquering tribe and a ruling tribe, and it stayed faithful to the Davidic line when the nation divided. God blessed Judah through Jacob's words of prophecy. Now, church, what we've heard tonight have been consequences and rewards, both consequences and rewards from lives lived. How many of y'all are living life right now? We all are. Every single one of us are living life right now we have to see that we will one day stand and receive one of the same when we stand before the Lord rewards or consequences rewards or consequences because what we reap we will all of us you, you too brother Kyle I'm afraid so let me ask you, will we continue, as we continue this next week, but, but how does your standing look tonight? As we look at, at the firstborn, as, as we look at the first four sons, and you consider yourself, how, how do you look right now when you stand before the Lord? You're, go, you're going to. You know God doesn't forget just as Jacob didn't forget, I imagine, especially the first three who were called, I, boy, I wish he would have forgotten that. I wish he'd have forgotten that, but he doesn't. God doesn't forget. How is your standing before the Lord looking today? Let's all stand, heads bowed and eyes closed. Father, we love you and we thank you for your word tonight. Lord, we pray that you would help us as we reflect on your scripture to see ourselves, Lord. Help us to, to determine where we're going to be, where we are right now, Lord, today, where we're heading. God, help us to focus on you. 
and know that while we're living life, God, right now, that we should be living for you. Be with us during this time of invitation, Lord. In Jesus' name I do pray. With all heads bowed and all eyes closed, do you need to come? How are you living your life for the Lord? How is your standing going to be?